0: I've had quite a few jobs in my day. I've been a paper boy, hospital custodian, short order cook, fine art replicator, call center operator, dishwasher, retail sales associate, web developer, video editor, podcaster, and more. One constant throughout those experiences is the better the culture, the easier the work is. If a business has a good culture, employees love working there. People show up happy. They do their work with pride and often consider their co-workers as family. Of course, the opposite is true of bad culture. People are angry and snarky. Employees snipe at each other, talk behind others' backs. Those places become toxic. Good people usually end up leaving and the toxicity remains. Toxic people get promoted and take over and it's almost impossible to get them out without a major overhaul and a massive amount of effort. In this chapter, we'll take a look at two different police departments in Washington State and how the hiring process can affect the inner workings of a local PD. This is State of Accountability, Chapter 3, Two Departments.
1: I think modern policing has probably changed quite considerably over the last couple of years. I think uh, police expectation was law and order, protect and serve, Uh, respond to calls for service and crimes in progress. Um, And really, we were giving a lot of latitude in how we responded and the manner in which we resolved situations. Um, And then over the last several years, we've seen, uh, I think, a demand for more accountability, more transparency, um, and a greater desire for justifications on how uh, we go about serving and protecting and providing services to our communities. Um, And we're very open and transparent uh, about our complaint process, our internal affairs process, our use of force data, our call data. Uh, I present that pretty regularly at community meetings and chamber meetings. Um, And so we're pretty open with our community about how we do things and the fact that we hold ourselves accountable.
0: It's important to me to talk about some of the things law enforcement is doing right. Because as we know, there are agencies and there are officers who love their communities, who get into law enforcement for the right reasons, and uphold the proclaimed dignity and nobility of the profession. Fife PD was given to me as an example of an exemplary department, one whose officers are involved in the community. Chief Pete Fisher talked to me about the culture of his department.
1: So we have a great uh, relationship with our community, and and I think that is... Uh, One speaks to the quality of officers we have and the fact that our officers are dedicated to community involved in community events, not just jumping in a police car and responding to 911 calls. So we have an officer that started what's called Hooping for Heroes. And so it's a charity basketball game between five police officers, uh, and the Fife School our, District our agency is, that money is, is deeply involved in the Special Olympics and Polar Plunge. A couple years ago, we started a charity golf tournament. In we a have a great life. National Night Out event um, that we, we do, hold at the do Coffee with the Chiefs. We a program called the Business Block Watch, where we um, get local, local we do volunteer days around the city. Um, food in a men's shelter here locally. We do Thanksgiving Day meal delivery. And then we had uh, an officer stand up our shop Sharp with a Cop. This will be uh, our fourth we'll year with that family and those kids. And we'll we do a Santa Run and have done that for years and years and years. Every December and we drive through every neighborhood and deliver a wrap present to children in the neighborhood. That's how we try to support our community. We have officers that choose to do that. That's the, the type of people that we employ. And they really don't want a lot of fanfare. And so uh, we'll get a picture of an officer playing basketball in, in a neighborhood and they get pretty embarrassed when it shows up on, on Facebook or on Twitter because that's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because that's just the type of human beings they are. You know, it'd be nice to say our culture supports that more so than we require that. It just really is the caliber of people that we have here on staff and that we hire.
0: How do you make sure you're hiring that type of person?
1: Well, you have high standards and you don't deviate for them. Uh, And for that reason, um, we've had a number of unfilled slots for almost over two years. And so you have high standards and you do not change those just to have... Uh, people work for you so that you're fully staffed. You make sure that you do not change your standards and you hold those standards very high. The culture of the police department dictates the level of engagement in the community outside of law enforcement activities.
0: Have you ever encountered, I guess, has anyone ever gotten through your uh, rigorous oversight process and, and, you know, kind of become a cop when you think maybe they shouldn't have been?
1: Yeah, I've been the chief of police here for uh, a little over five years. I have not had to terminate any officer that I've hired. Uh, and if we've lost officers since I've been here, it is typically, and it's only been one, to go to a larger department. So um, again, having high standards and holding people to those standards and the hiring process I think makes all the difference.
0: On the other end of the spectrum is the Enumclaw Police Department. In 2011, the Washington State Auditor's Office released a report detailing issues at the property room in Enumclaw PD. Among the findings detailed in the report were, the auditor's office was, quote, unable to verify whether two guns had been destroyed, end quote. And further, quote, We were unable to verify that the department had traded eight guns to a firearms sales firm from 2007 to 2011 due to a lack of documentation. Enumclaw PD is authorized to maintain a $2,000 petty cash fund. One officer kept $500 of the fund in his wallet. On the day of the audit, he had only $307. The remainder of the fund is stored in a locked box in a locked cabinet. On the day of the audit, enumclaw pd could not locate the box end quote the supervisor of the property room lieutenant eric sortland was later terminated by then chief jim zoll during a civil service commission hearing the city attorney alleged sortland took it upon himself to groom young officers to distrust zoll frequently attacking his intelligence and abilities and utilizing intimidation and threats as a way to manipulate officers in the department to join his camp against Zoll. Another officer also stated Sortland manipulated him as a young impressionable officer to act against Zoll. Other officers alleged similar conduct. The department also recently settled a sex discrimination and harassment lawsuit by two police officers, Nona Zilbauer and Amber Brunel. This is the environment where Ann Curley began her employment at Enumclaw PD. I
2: was hired under Jim Zoll, and I wouldn't say that the culture was perfect at that time, but it, it was better than it is now. It was my first time working as a dispatcher. The dispatch manager there was a very mean woman. Within my first month of working there, she um had told me which dispatchers she thought were worthy, which ones she thought were idiots. And I just remember thinking, wow, if she's saying that to me, you know, who won't she talk about things to? Because I was brand new. There were officers, though, that were great. And then there were officers that were horrific. There was one officer that refused to tell me where he was on a stop because he claimed that he had already told me where he was on a a traffic stop. And he said, nope, I already told you. And I'm like, "Okay, how does this? damage me. He's the one that doesn't have, you know, his location on the record. But down the road, I was had another former woman of boy who was, uh, appeared to be filing a lawsuit against the city, possibly for sexual discrimination, based on what she was asking for. And one of those things needed to include all the instant messaging transmission. And as I went through those for the release to make sure there's no private information in there, Um, I was finding a lot of vulgar um, jokes, a lot of talking about different citizens and what they look like, Um, the fact that officers were going through certain coffee stands and while they're going through the coffee stands messaging each other about how hot the girl is and how her butt looks, in the yoga pants, and all those kind of things, and why don't you come over to this part of town, that jogger we saw the other day that's so hot is over here. And it just was kind of grossing me out, because I was just like kind of embarrassed that I worked for a place and I had to give this information out. Those were kind of just the normal things, that kind of um, normal toxicity, I guess, that was there early on, um, that now seems really trivial compared to what it was you know, what it was like towards the end of my time there and, and going through the investigation that mark Nona and i went through together
0: could you tell me your name and your job at the epd
3: mark lytle patrol sergeant with
0: the eden club police
3: department started there in 2004. there were some issues um this time it was we had a lieutenant he was kind of not really a nice guy When you sit and talk to him, he's a pretty mellow guy, but if he starts getting upset or angry, he like flies off the handle, but anyhow, in this incident, um, or I could hear from my desk all the way across the building, you can hear screaming and yelling. Uh, later found out it was, um, Grant yelling at, um, Tony. They were talking, um, arguing about this Lieutenant getting, um, in trouble because Grant feels it was Tony's fault. When I talked to Tony, he's like, yeah, he looked at me, and he says, you know, something along the lines of, you know, your your time's coming, or, or um, when the chief's gone, we're going to remember an hour later, Grant was still fuming, he's marching around, throwing things around the office, and uh, uh, the sound of a shotgun clearing is pretty, pretty distinct. I heard the racking of a shotgun, and when he came around the corner, he's, his, he's like, enraged his face is red he's he's mad he's racking the shotgun and uh just to the left of my desk is a door to go outside and i saw that and i popped up and i just left i'm like i don't want to be around this because who knows what he's going to do i mean this you know and that's not the first time he's he's done stupid stuff like that like when he gets mad he'll draw his gun and he'll throw it down on his desk and then scream at you and you're just like uh he did it to me once, and I complained about it, but Grant was Grant. You know, they didn't do much. And then uh, then he did it again in front of the city attorney. So he was in our office, Grant snaps, goes off, pulls the gun out, puts, sets it down on his desk as he continues to scream. You know, and our city attorney is like, what the heck is this? Finally, they they suspend him, and he has to get uh, cleared from a doctor. The rules that he was given by the city manager is he's, he's not to uh, walk around the department with a weapon in anger. <laughs> I mean, I'm, look, I'm, I'm like, Jesus, are you kidding me? This is, this is what you get? And it's like, uh, you had to put that in writing? If you have to put that in writing for this guy, there's a reason he should probably not be here.
2: At the time, Sergeant Tony Ryan had asked if I had had a boob job because my breast looked different. This was while he was on duty in uniform talking to a, another person that worked there approached me on three different occasions in between talking to these other people. And he just kept saying, there's something different about you. And he would put his hand, one hand under his chin and one hand like at his belly button. He goes, it's somewhere in this range.
0: As a result of this incident, Anne filed a sexual harassment complaint. Chief Hubler's determination was that Sergeant Tony Ryan, quote, has a great family and loves his wife very much, he has no interest at all outside his family, end quote. Hubler's final decision was, quote, I find that there was discussion amongst employees as well as DOC employees on this topic. When I look at Tony Ryan's involvement specifically as to whether his actions violated Department Policy 313.3.2, sexual harassment, I find this to be not sustained, end
2: quote. And, and what it came down to is he didn't want to get Tony in trouble. You know, they the city manager um bob tony all the people that kind of had the power there just all have each other's backs you know they as long as you're in with them they protect you
3: tim came recommended or i don't know how he ended up making it up here and creating such a strong support structure but before he was even hired you know they were told me they go just Make it fast. Just get him through it. He's good to go. Blah blah. Which is something we don't really do. And, you know, one of the biggest flags was he's a commander and you know, making way more than he would coming here as a patrol officer. The polygrapher's name's Pete. He was a he's done our polygraph for you know, as long as I can remember being there. Tim was an applicant and after his polygraph. Pete told me that uh, this guy needs to be uh, have a deeper interview because of some disclosures. And uh, when he told me what the disclosures were, when I was talking to the chief and, and to Bob, I was like, we can't hire this guy off of this. We need to know more about it. So they looked at me and they said, well, did he pass the polygraph? And I'm like, uh, no. I go I go, he told the truth, yeah, but he you know, what what he just found out? was just not we can't can't take this guy. They said, Well, did he pass? Did he tell the truth? And they go, yes, he told the truth, he passed the polygraph. So we're hiring him. This is this is like the worst day of my life, kinda of, almost. The chief and Bob told me that I had to call up Tim, have him come in, set him down and tell him here's your offer to work here starting two weeks. <laughs> It's like, oh, I just freaking hated it, hated it. Here I am looking at a guy who, if he wasn't a hiree, I'd have been all over him. And so we hired the guy, and I was told to keep an eye on his behavior.
2: Mark was very closed mouth about things at work. He, he, I knew he didn't like Tim, but I didn't know why. And I knew he, that there were things he knew about Tim that he was supposed to talk to somebody about, but I didn't know what they were. Uh, but that whole time through there, um, there was never a denial of any of the information. It was just called personal, private information. Tim Floyd shouldn't have been hired at all. It wasn't um, qualified, background-wise, to be a police officer, in my opinion. Uh, and so, it, you know, what I, what I had heard was rumors because some other officers were talking about it um, fairly openly. And I had heard bits and pieces of it, and I put it kind of together. And I asked a friend, I said, Hey, is this possible that that we would really hire this guy if he's like this? What really shocked me is that as I kind of expected that as the city manager and the mayor and some of those people started to learn about that background information, that there would be some sort of inquiry as to how this guy actually got hired. But it wasn't, it was a complete shutdown and, and, and you know, cover-up, just really discouraging. Um, from there, it just, they got more and more emboldened, um, they being a group of the officers that that were like, you know, a club of guys who would sit around and talk about who they want at the department, who they don't want at the part- department. Did They didn't want a chief that was going to actually manage them. I think that Tim didn't like that Mark knew his background. I think that Tim didn't like the fact that Mark couldn't be bought into this buddy buddy nepotism or or cronyism.
0: Tim Floyd filed a complaint with the city manager against Ann, Mark and Nona, alleging they had disclosed his personal information revealed in the polygraph. An outside investigator was hired to determine if EPD policy had been violated. After interviewing several officers, as well as the polygrapher, the investigator determined the claims against Ann, Mark, and Nona were unfounded, and the allegations were not sustained. Despite the unfounded allegations, Enumclaw PD set about to fire Mark Lytle. April 13, we're here at City Hall in the conference room at 11.42, and I'm here with the Captain, or
4: pardon me, Chief, Bob Hubler. And do I have your permission to tape record this? Yes, you do. Do you know if anything has been going on in relation to Mark Lytle, where he's being blamed for the release of the public information last year? No, other than uh, the complaint about that was investigated, and there were findings that uh, in his particular case, I believe it was not sustained. And as far as I know, that that issue was done. It appears that, based on that, it was um, determined that uh, not everybody was satisfied with that outcome. What is uh, Dr. Dan Singer's role in the department uh, over the last nine or ten months? My understanding is that he was hired by the city as a consultant. Um... To a, be a mentor advisor type services for uh, the department. And uh, one of the reasons that uh, Dr. Dan was uh, brought on was to see what uh, we can do as a city and command to get everybody uh, working together on the same sheet of music and moving forward. Okay. Dan Singer supposedly said, we still have to deal with Mark. But then supposedly you said we wouldn't in the civil service hearing with the text message, and then Dan Singer saying something like, "I'll help you find a way." Do you have any comments about that? And uh, Dr. Singer has discussed uh, uh, Mark Lytle's position, and uh, you know certainly I listened to. Uh, Dr. Singer, and hear what he has to say. However, my focus is not on that end of it. My focus is on what actions are actionable and because we have a process. And so whether I hear you say, and I'm gleaning, you tell me if I'm incorrect, that uh, there's a process that uh, is the civil service process that indicates there has to be probable cause for discipline. Is, is that what you're talking about? It, it is. I mean, uh, through our policy, as well as the civil service rules, we have a process. In order for a person to be disciplined, there needs to be just cause for any proposed disciplinary action. Okay. Uh, typically, up to that, um, we look for a patterns of misconduct. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not any resulting action out of that um,
3: can be considered or construed as discipline um, forthcoming. So. Okay. so I was on medical leave, um, and when I came back, it was explained to me, hey, this Dan guy, he's you know, what we've noticed is there's a lot of dysfunction in the department. So we hired this psychiatrist. He's gonna come in and this is what he does. He helps build, rebuild relationships and you know, get the workplace flowing again. I had this meeting with Dan. We sit down and he goes, do you know what the problem is with the department? And I go, no. And he goes, it's you. If you would just play along, things would go better. And so I leave and I'm like, they're setting me up. These fuckers are setting me up for failure. And that's when everything shut down with like me at the department. I wouldn't. Nobody would talk to me. Nobody would uh, um, include me in supervisory meetings, you know, and, and those things and decisions. I was I was literally there with nobody to talk to. Like I don't know. I wouldn't say anything progressed. It was just everything got so bad. Um, it's strange, you know, going to a call, um, a dispatch to a, a suicidal subject with a rifle, and uh, there was four other officers on duty, and no one came to back me on it. And so when it gets done, I walk in with the weapons, through, and, uh, and the dispatch center's like right there, and the dispatcher's like, that's Shit just goes off right she goes they should be with you there was no reason for them she's going on and on i go yeah right right this is what i'm saying this is what i'm getting here i go these people are putting my life in danger
4: so there was a meeting with dan singer it was in the conference room off the courtroom Do you remember what the topic of the meeting was or topics?
5: Um yes. Uh we or there was conversation, the main conversation was that the uh the some of the patrol guys were expressing they wanted Mark fired. So
4: who brought up the topic about getting Mark fired?
5: Grandma Call and Tim Floyd were very boisterous about wanting Mark fired and demanding for Mark to get fired. And then Singer just said, well, there are steps. You can't just fire someone. There are steps you have to follow. And then he told a story. What was the story, if you remember? I remember. He said, let me tell you a story about my wife. She was, had addiction issues, she went away for treatment, she had the choice to end the end of treatment whether she's going to come back, get with the program, or she's out. On it, it felt like an intervention, like, Mark's an asshole, you need to come to grips with our side, is what I took. Uh-huh.
4: So the first meeting felt like an intervention to convince you to get on the same page as
2: some other people in the meeting? 100%. They were angry with Mark because of everything that was going down with Tim. I mean, it was just completely sickening. Primarily, Mark refused to lie, refused to pretend that things were okay when they weren't. And that ended up making him a target. You know, basically, that whole, the whole investigation into the three of us was a, a move to try to get rid of Mark.
0: Ultimately, Chief Hubler alleged that Mark was falsifying overtime hours as well as making false statements against another officer. Chief Hubler asked Lakewood PD to investigate these allegations and provide an unbiased determination of these charges. On September 13, 2018, Lakewood PD produced a report sustaining the timesheet allegation with the caveat of, quote, This is a violation of process rather than one of dishonesty. All of his timesheets were signed off on by a supervisor with no corrections being given. End quote. With regards to the making a false statement allegation, Lakewood PD found, quote, For the purposes of this investigation, I recommend the following disposition for the second allegation not sustained for violations of policy related to truthfulness, end quote. Chief Hubler disagreed with these findings. On December 14th, 2018, after 14 years with Claw PD, Chief Hubler fired Mark Lytle.
2: Mark got fired because he, he was holding people responsible. You know, they were just, they were wanting to make it possible for a handful of them to just completely run the department the way they they want to run it. Um, they hire their friends. They seek out people with like minds, you know, people that are going to kind of look the other way if, if somebody's getting a little too rough in an arrest. They're, people are either complicit in it or they are afraid to say anything because they don't want, they've seen what happened to Mark and they don't want it. They don't want it to happen to them. The city started a hiring process for a new chief of police and they actually were to the point where they were having interviews like the final interviews for it and they um, just all of a sudden stopped communicating with the company that was doing the interviews the rumor is is that it was because these guys who were kind of trying to take power of the police department and now have power the police department were um, asking the city manager to just, that they want just somebody that will just be like a figurehead so that they can run the things and nobody will bug them until Tim has enough time on to be able to take over the, the, the role of chief of police.
0: Anne Curley filed a complaint detailing her experiences, concluding, quote, the stress of the ongoing abusive and sexist behavior. My past experiences within the department of inappropriate actions that I experienced and witnessed and the reviewing of these juvenile and misogynistic comments have pushed me to a point of emotional and mental exhaustion. This has had a huge negative impact on the life of myself, my friends, and my family. Whoever is selected to run this department should be made aware of these issues I have brought to light in order for him or her to be able to effect the change necessary. This will not occur without acknowledging the culture that has been running rampant for years, and I have realized that if I don't speak up when I see inappropriate behaviors, then I am contributing to the problem rather than assisting in stopping it. I am asking that this complaint be taken seriously and investigated as such. The culture of this department needs to change, and hiding the behavior, writing it off as in the past, or boys being boys, should not be tolerated. In August 2019, Grant McCall was promoted to sergeant. Quoting the Courier-Herald, McCall told the council the police department is now in good hands, but, he recalled, there's been some rocky times in recent history, saying, quote, The truth of the matter is, our police department over the last 20 years has had some very interesting days, to say the least. But the council a short time ago made a decision, and that decision was to change our management. Since those promotions were made, our department has made a 180-degree turn. McCall said, Admitting change can sometimes be a scary thing, but Bob Hubler, Tim Floyd, and Tony Ryan have promoted a family atmosphere through professionalism and the way they treat everyone in the department. On July 1, 2021, Tim Floyd was promoted to chief of Enumclaw Police Department.
2: Working there was like literally losing a part of your soul every day. It was it was so horrible that you don't even know how horrible it is until you get out of it. Nobody seems to care. I mean, they don't, you know, they go to, you go to human resources and the human resources person tries to help you and they get shut down. They get told, no, we're not going to do that. It makes me so angry that it'll set me into like, you know, hysterically crying and and not being able to, even have a conversation because it's still that raw knowing not just what they did to me but what they did to mark
3: it's totally totally a high school environment like mentality and then there's like the mean girls (laughs) and you know if you don't fit in with them then they all they all just you know pick on you or ostracize you and uh, talk trash it's so it's just it's like you can't make it up when you read, you know, when you read it, you're like, this can't be real. And that's, that's how it is. You know, I've worked in small agencies my entire career. I can only imagine that the smaller agencies are harder to work in, in that environment because they're so, um, I hate to call it the group or, you know, the, the main body of whoever has so much control over little things. You know, if you're not in that little group, you're just, you're, you're out there, you're, you're on your own. Uh, it was, it, it wasn't, it's still it's a good old boy. Um, that department, you have, you, you have to be part of the group to essentially survive your career there. If you're not, you're, you're alienated. I mean, there's people that are still there that, you know, they're trying to just survive this, this the, the click, you know, I was never that guy. And, uh, I mean, that's why I am where I am now. I wouldn't conform to some of the things that some of these folks would do that
0: just, you know, just weren't right. So how do you look back on your time at EPD?
3: You know, everything in my career as a law enforcement officer was great until those last three years. And now that I'm not an officer anymore, it's like, I can't even look back and, be proud of anything I've done because of the way it ended. You know, I told them, hey, I'm going to retire when I'm 50. Why don't you just leave me alone? And uh, they couldn't do it. They just they had to do it. You know, I turned 50 on December 3rd, and then they fired me on December 14th. I'd already submitted my paperwork to the state for retirement. Law enforcement's a good career. I wouldn't have my son do it. definitely wouldn't have my son do it. The politics are harder than some of the scenes you go to. You know, every day you come to work and somebody in a small agency is bored, and so they try and find things to do for everybody. Um, and you got other officers there that want to do the right thing, but they're they don't want to go against the grain. And I mean, and that's how you know in larger agencies, they they don't bend the rules. In Claw the rules were consistently bent, only to make
1: you know particular people happy that is completely a function of culture and leadership which absolutely starts at the top uh, I, like I said I've been here through, through 2016 um, and have two, I've had to discipline officers from termination to multi-week suspensions uh, we have not had one grievance and the guild and the officers involved in each of those incidents uh, have stipulated the findings and the discipline And so again, it has to do with creating a culture of accountability, a culture of transparency. But what I'm most proud of is that's not something I'm forcing on our our officers here, that they're stepping up and taking responsibility for themselves. And that really speaks to the quality of people that we have here, Um, both before I got here, um, the ones we're retaining, and the ones that we're hiring. Um, And so our community should be extremely proud of our police officers. and the fact that they are accountable to themselves and to each other and to the community. Um, but that is a function of culture. Uh, it really is. And it starts at the top.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find show notes and links at stateofaccountability.com. Check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash for extra snippets and raw content from my work. To get a primer on how officer-involved shootings can affect a small town, or to learn how law enforcement covers up these crimes, go to stonechildpodcast.com. Watch the video or listen to the whole podcast. To help spread the word, leave a rating on your podcast platform, or share on social media. Special thanks to Des Ciara Mataro, whose research has been an invaluable addition to the podcast. Thanks also to everyone who provided their voice for this and other episodes.